0: You're going to be learning Lekutei Siches Cheilik Yudchas Parsha Shalach, the first Sicha. This week's Sicha is going to be discussing the first Rashi. It's going to be a Rashi Sicha. And the context of what it takes place is, at the end of last week's Parsha, we discuss the uh, Miriam, the story of Miriam talking about Aaron and how she got Saras. And this week's Parsha continues with the story of the Miraglim, so Rashi is going to ask why these two parshis are put next to each other, so let's read it inside. Bithilas Parsha Sena Olatavas Shlaklacha andashim. In the beginning of this week's Parsha on the word send for yourself man, pierce Rashi. Lawmanismacha Parshis Miriam La Parshis Miri Parshis Miragan the Parshis Miriam Lefi. She locks Al Iske Debra Shadibra Biakia. Why, Rashi asks, is the Parshish Miranglum put next to Parshish Miriam? So he answers because she was punished because she spoke and she gossiped about her brother. And these Rishayim, they saw, but they did not take Musr. They did not learn the lesson. So, Ptsar Chlovin, Kvar Nizmair Kam Pa'amim Shemzesh Rashi Mavar, Esatam Nismicha Rak Bimikoimis Supreme. So we need to understand, we already explained many times that this, that Rashi explains why two parashas are next to each other. He only does that on certain occasions. That's mukhech shal which is the darkish rashi, pu shal e'in lama husmuchu Parshis dafka zu luzu. So that's mukhech, that according to Rashi, who is the derecha that it's not a question why parashas are next to each other specifically. <coughs> This is especially true when the stories fit, the parshas fit according to the time, the the the, 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 the events uh, according to the, uh, the the time event. So if one parsha makes sense that it happened after the next parsha, then for sure there would be no question uh, about why they're next to each other. So we're saying, generally speaking, Rashi does not. <clears throat> Comment on why parshas are put next to each other. So that is the derech of Rashi. So that means pshat wise, uh, there not, not, not necessarily has to be a reason why these parshas are put next to each other. So the only time when Rashi would ask why parshas are next to each other is because there must be some type of issue and they should specifically not have been put next to each other. So therefore, the Meforshim ask over here, since the Parsha of the Miraglim happened right after Parshas Miriam, because we know that Miriam, um, she was in quarantine until Chof Ches Sivan, and then the Miraglim were sent on Chof Tes Sivan. And we know that they were sent on Chof Tes Sivan, because Forty days later, they came back and gave the report on Chasav, and that that night, the Yidin cries and that made the um, you know Tishbaav began because of the initial crying of the Miran women, and they got the Xer that they're not going to go into Eretz So we know that they left on the, ne- the next day on Chav Teshivan. So the four of asked, and since they both happened right one right after the other, of course they're going to be put next to each other. So what's the Shaila? And lash We also need to understand many the yukim in Rashi's expressions. First one, Aleph. He says, Why does he use this expression of iske diba, which means being involved with speech? He should have said that. Um, she, did, she spoke Lashon Hara about her brother. As Rashi himself uses that expression, in Parashat Samoites, it says, Miriam got punished because of Lashon Hara. Why use this expression, which is, means gossiping or means being involved in speech, say clear, clearly what she did wrong, that she spoke Lashon Hara, and the Muralim did learn the lesson, and then they spoke Lashon Hara. Later on, Rashi actually explains what the word Diva means. He says, It means to teach someone how to speak. Meaning, you're in a sense training the other individual what to say. You're, 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 you're trying to get them, you're training them to say certain things. So, And that could be, as Rashi says, it could be L'tayva, it could be L'ra. So Diba necessarily means you're training them to say bad things. It could be for good things too. In the case of the Maraglim, the Haitsa's Diba, of course, was to train them in the sense they were pushing them to say the wrong thing that we don't want to go up to Eretis Yisrael. But the point is, Iske Diba itself not necessarily means good or bad. It could be either. So, why does Rashi use the expression, when Diba does not, from the word Diba itself, we do not know if there was a Chet. And on the contrary, it could have been even a good thing. Next question is: It seems like Rashi's a little bit redundant. It says Miriam got punished al Iske and then it could, and then it says again, what did she? Who did she speak against? She spoke against her brother, and these Rashaim saw they didn't uh, take Moser. These words that shidibur b'achia. Is not necessary at all. Why is that an afkimina? Meaning, as if you're going to say, because we need to know what she did wrong, we already know what she did wrong. She said something wrong. So, should she tell us again, to tell her that she did something wrong, that's, that would just be redundant. Rather, it's telling us that it must that it was specifically against her brother. Why is that relevant? That it was specifically against her brother. Third question is, why is Rashi being in and his Lashen? He gives a very lengthy, he says, these Rashaim saw, and they didn't take Musur. We Why does he have to say, these Rashaim? We know who we're talking about. All he should have said is, they saw. We're talking about the Raghelim. So we're going to say, they saw what happened to Miriam, and they didn't take a Musser from it. They didn't take a lesson from it. And had uh, Also it says they saw and they didn't take Musar. Why is he using the Lashon of Musar? Use usually the expression, the of tyra is the Lashon of shamru. Like uh, you can see by many uh, you always see this Lashon of guarding Hashem's mitzvah like uh, It's always a Lashon of Shmirashab. Shabbos. like uh, throughout the Torah, you don't see the expression of Musar, Um especially in, uh, ter- uh, in the five books of Moshe Rabbeinu, you see the word Musr later times in Tanakh. So why especially in, is Rashi over here using specifically the Lashon Shamru and not the usual expression, which is Shamru? And look at R6, just one other diak over here. He says, The other point is, why does he say they saw and they didn't take a lesson. It should have been, Should have been. they saw what happened to Miriam B'chatu, and they still sinned. Why, why is it important to say that they didn't take the lesson? Meaning the stress is, not that they didn't sin, the stress is that they didn't take a musr. That was, in a sense, the issue over here. Um, hey, Why does he quote all three words in his Maschal shlach teves shlach. He should have just quoted the word shlach, and that's it. He says, similarly, we find the parashas ba'aleischa. Rashi also asks the reason why the parashas ba'aleischa is right next to the parashas nesiyam. And the different maschal is only the word ba'aleischa. Right? Because the question is, why is parashas next to the previous parashas that we just finished? So same thing over here. Should have just quoted the word shlach. It's not coming to Pasha's explaining um the words and Hashem. It's coming to explain why Parsha's Shlach is next to the previous one. So just quote the word shlach, just like we see that that's what we did in Parsha's So you just quote the first word. Uh, the, the purpose, of course, of quoting the first word is because we need to know um what, what what Rashi's talking about. So quote the first word, and we know that he's talking that his his comment is on uh this weeks parsha. So it's, uh, we'll understand these questions of Rashi first by bringing a question of the Ramban, a very famous question, and that is, what was the great sin of the Meraglim? He says, There Shlichus was, To see the land, and what did Moshe Rabbeinu ask, are the people strong? And in the cities, are they fortified? Are they not fortified? Moshe Rabbeinu himself asked to find out if they're strong. So when they come back and say, yes, they're strong, and the cities are fortified, and they're powerful, wasn't that the original shluchus? Like, what did you expect them to do? Could come back and lie and say, no, they're very weak, and the cities are not fortified? The whole shluchus was to be honest and tell us what they saw. So what was their avera? That when they came back and said that it was powerful, uh, and and the people are powerful, and the the what 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 what's the issue over there? And look at the art like Lavin Rei Rabban Sham the Gam Moisher Benu Hifluk Leham B'Choyze Kaom Mitzararem Koych Hanokim Yisem Mash Amar Hamraglam. He says even more than that, the Ramban asked but Moisher Benu in Mishnah Torah. Before the Yedin are about to enter Eretz he tells them not to be afraid. Right? He tells them not to be afraid. And, and what does he tell them not to be afraid of? He, he describes to them the powerful nation and the fortified cities and the, and the giants that are there. And they tell them not to be afraid because Hashem is going with you. So Moshe Rabbeinu himself is actually describes how powerful they are even more than Meraglam. So what's the issue about describing how powerful they were? That doesn't seem like it should be in Avera. And the Ramban continues, And you should not say that their sin was that they said that this is a land which eats its inhabitants. Meaning is that this is something they wouldn't have known for sure. How do they know if it's an Eretz Eichelis yashra Meaning is they saw people dying, but do they know in general this is a land that causes its people, that there, it's a land full of plagues, that people are going to be dying here. They have no idea what would happen, so that seems like a conjecture. They didn't have any proof for that. So don't say that was the issue, or another type of uh, explanation. You could say, what was their sin? Because they gave a conclusion. They said, we cannot go up. They are too powerful for us. So the problem wasn't that they were describing how powerful the people were, but rather they were, in a sense, giving conclusions that we won't be able to win. Again, the Ramam says that is incorrect. That is, was not their sin. He says, because we see from the story that even before they actually gave their conclusion or they spoke about being an Eretz Eichelis Yeshveha, the Kalif uh, came and quieted the people, meaning as he saw that they were in a sense riling the people up. They're saying uh, something, they're, they're doing something wrong. So Kolov gets them to be quiet, and he tells them, "Is this the only thing that Ben Amram did for us?" As Rashi explains, and he describes how, and he tells us that uh, how how Hashem will be able to uh, bring us up into Eretz Israel. So it's clear that even before they gave their conclusions, they did something wrong. So, so it's understood that their words that preceded Afiski Azaam" that these people are too strong for us and we cannot win. There, even before then, there was something which was. Incorrect, And as, as the Rebbe explains more in R18, when, I'm not going to read it inside, but he says, in Torah where it repeats what the sin of the Meraglim were, and actually only mentions that they came and said how powerful the cities were, and how they, they caused their brothers' heart to melt by saying how powerful the cities were, and that there were giants there. It actually doesn't even mention over there that they told them that they're not going to be able to go up and win the war. So, when it's describing what they did, it doesn't even mention that. So, it's very clear that that wasn't uh, the main sin or the only sin that they did. Even the initial talking about the fortifications of, er, of Eretz Israel at that time, that itself was uh, an unveil. So, the question, of course, is why that was their shlechos, the He says, even their words afterwards, the maskana, he says, we will not be able to go up. You could find the limut tzchus, meaning it's not necessarily a sin. You could explain that they did the right thing, meaning is you could say that they did the wrong thing, but you could have a limut tzchus and say in a sense that they didn't do anything wrong, because if you are very careful and look at their words, you'll see what they really were saying. It says, The Baragim never said, we will not go up again. You know, we're not going to go up a pile, we're going to go against the sub All they said was that we're unable to go up, meaning, What they were saying is, according to our estimate of the strength of the people living in that land. Um, we will not, the Bnei Yisrael will not be able to, Alpitava naturally be able to conquer Eretz So all that they were really saying is that naturally we were unable to win. So that, again, that could be still, in a sense, part of the description of what's going on. They're saying they're very, very powerful. And the truth is we won't be able to win on our own. But that doesn't mean that we should uh, go against what Hashem says. They never said not to listen. They're just giving, in a sense, their, 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 their view. So then the Rebbe brings in the, in the brackets that there is a, a Rashi which is from a Gemara and Saita that when it says in the Pasuk that, that we're not able to go up, that they're more powerful from us, the Gemara tells us, Memenu also means, has two translations. Memenu can mean from us, it also mean from him. And the Gemara tells us, they're talking about Hashem, that it's too it's too powerful even from Hashem, that they're stronger even than Hashem. So L'Chair, by saying that they're stronger than Hashem, that seems like a kvira. Uh, the way how the Gemara knows that they're, Mimenu is talking about Hashem, where does this limud come from? So the reasoning is because they are going to say, this is how the enforcement explained the Gemara, is because they're going to be saying in a moment that we were like grasshoppers in their eyes. So the expression Chazuk Mimenu means that they're stronger than us. Chazuk means that they are strong; we are strong. But Chazuk Mimenu, they're even stronger than us. But they are going to be saying in the next few psukim how we were not strong. We were literally like grasshoppers relative to them. That we were not. So why would you say which is implying that just stronger, we were nothing in their eyes. We were like literally nothing. So therefore, the gemara says al It really is referring to Hashem that they were talking about Hashem. That even Hashem is unable to, in a sense, win them. He says, but still, he says ena kavana al He says it's not the kavana al derech pshat that they were being Kaifer and Hashem, and Shein Hashem does not have the capabilities to win this war. Rather, they were trying to tell them that the people are so strong, and much stronger than the Yidden, that even, they can't even imagine how we can win them even through the use of miracles. That's what they were saying. Um, he, the Rebbe says this is Alder Um Pashas, the reason why it's Alder uh, apshat is I could just give maybe two interpretations of why. First of all, we just finished mentioning if they really felt that they Hashem couldn't win, then why why they why they're just saying like nuchalalis they should have talked. came to the conclusion we, sh- we shouldn't go up. We can't go up. Hashem really can't win. Rather, they weren't saying that Hashem can't win. They're just saying that in our imagination. Meaning is that how we are with even with Hashem's miracles, we can't imagine how we can beat them. But again, they're still not in a sense questioning Hashem's great power. And second of all, maybe the second reasoning is that it's hard to say that they really thought that Hashem couldn't win after they saw all the great miracles that Hashem just did, Kriyas Yamsuf and everything else. So maybe they can imagine how they could win, but to say that Hashem Taka didn't have the capabilities of their that would be hard. Uh, to say, rather they couldn't understand how they do it. Especially as we know, they're miraglin, they're spies. The whole purpose of spies is in a sense to figure out how naturally we're able to win this country. So when they're coming back and saying, we cannot figure it out naturally, and even with supernatural um, assistance, we can't figure it out, that was in a sense their job. But they weren't saying not to go up, and we can't, and if we do, Hashem for sure wouldn't win. And we can also actually see this was their taina from what Kalev replied to them, as we're going to see in a moment. L'chein taino minus kalev haya. Therefore we see the answer that Kalev gave them. He didn't say to them uh, that we are able to um, win naturally. And he doesn't even reply to them that we're able to win because Hashem will do regular miracles for us. Allah what he says he says we will go up meaning we will go up even to the heavens because if you would tell us to make ladders and climb up to the heavens we will be successful meaning is we're supposed to follow after the words of Hashem, without any chashbin, without any uh, calculations even if the going up to Eretz Yisrael will be similar to something that has never occurred. Even through a miracle, no one has ever climbed up to the heaven with ladders. So it's something you can't even imagine that being done. But nonetheless, if Hashem says to make these ladders and climb up all the way to the heavens, we would be able to do it. It's the same thing Eretz Yisrael. Even though we can't even imagine how we could win, if Hashem says we can do it, we can do it. But since the whole purpose of the, the Meraglin being sent, being sent was to, uh, to clarify the great power of the people living there in order that the Bnei Israel could prepare themselves to win through a natural war, So naturally, the estimate of the Meraglin that were will, unable to win was true what was the great sin that they expressed their conclusion? Meaning is, first of all, the Rebbe points. It's really one question with two points. First of all, the Rebbe's point is that from the Ramban, it's clear that the, the that even before they gave their conclusion, they already had a sin because Koliv, in a sense, quieted them down already from earlier. That's one. Second of all, even if you want to say that the sin was that they gave a maskana. He says they never actually went against Hashem. They're just saying, naturally, according to what our job was, was to give an S to figure out uh, how to beat these individuals and in Eretz Yisrael, how to beat these these armies. He says, saying, naturally, we won't be able to win them, which that seems kind of like what their shlichus was. So, what was their great sin? So, this question is what Rashi is coming to answer. Um, well, I shouldn't say coming, this question will be answered with Rashi's explanation of Lama Manitzmacha. Because the smicha of is explaining to us with what the Meraglim sinned. So we're going to explain the, how Rashi's comment um, will, will answer and explain to us what the sin of the Meraglim were. So he says, So the original question was, why does Rashi ask Lama Nismacha Lakhira they the the story of the Maragnon happened right after the parshas, right after the story of Miram, they're further next to each other. So the issue is like this. He says, Who cave and shall be pshutashemikra? Yesar item lahpsik been shte parshis, gamba makeshalpi seders man in hai parshismichul zoo. He says I'll be pshutal shrap sometimes there needs to be a break between two parshas, even if these two parshas happen one after the other. Sometimes you do do make a separation. Similar to what Rashi said earlier in that is that it's in the middle of the discussion over there of what the Yidin, the travels of the Yidin and the complaining of the Yidin, it says, when the arm would travel, it would scatter all the enemies. So Rashi says, why is that being written in the middle of uh, right, right over here? So he says, because he wants to separate between. Um, Puranis, the the punishments that happen to the Yidin, so we put something in the beginning, and we don't have punishment after punishment uh, right after each other, so we put in a sense a parsha that's not in the proper spot in order to make that haphsik. So you see, even of Pshutai the term will sometimes make a, put another parsha which is not according to uh, where it should have been, according to the Zman in or, uh, if, for, for different reasons. So also over here, even though logically, of course, uh, we should put things next to each other if they happened and occurred one after each other, but that's not always how things work if you have a reason not to do it that way. And that's basically what we're going to say. In our situation, we should have not have put these two parashas together. So, He says, when we we're learning these two parashas, parashas Miriam and the Miraglin, and both of them talk about Lashon hara. It's possible to make a mistake and to think that Miriam and the Miraglim were equal in their level. Or at least they were similar and close to each other in in, in the content. So when you put these two parshis together, the assumption might be why they're next to each other, because they're both talking about the same thing. They're both talking about Lash and Har, They're both talking about people that sinned. So it seems like that Mir and the Miraglim, in a sense, were on the same uh, level. And that's why they're put next to each other. He says, Even though it's recognizable to everybody, um, from one extreme to the, to the other extreme, the differences about what happened, the Teitzah, the outcome of their sin, by Miriam, even after she was in quarantine, the people did not leave. They didn't travel. They waited for her. And this was a COVID that Hashem had given her. But the maraglum are the, not the same way. You, the exact opposite. On the contrary, first of all, they all died in a m'geif and a plague, the maraglum. midbar. Because of what they did, the entire generation was going to die in the desert. And gimon ubanechum shana. In addition to that, those individuals will uh, die. They also had to, um, even the children had to uh, be, be wandering the desert 40 years. So we're saying is, what was bothering Rashi is why these two parshas next to each other. Lachaira, people can think that Miriam was on the same level as the Miraglim. So the, so the Rebbe says, really? How can you think of such a thing? You can see from the story itself that they were so different. Miriam, she did a, you know, she spoke against her brother, but everybody waits for her. Hashem gave her covet. You could see that she's a tzedekis. But when you look at the Miraglim, you see the exact opposite. What, did, what happened by their Lashon Har? They died. Everybody else died. Every, all the kids had to be in the midbar for forty years. It's very clear that she was a tzadikis. While they were around, well, they they did something wrong. So, so, so you could put them together. No one will make such a mistake and think that she was uh, on their level. But still, he says. But still, you can you can answer like this that this, that they died, and all these punishments that happened, that's not because of the miracle of Roshayim. Rather, it's because they weren't careful with their words. They weren't careful, and because of what they were saying, they caused all the B'nai Yisrael to be nichshal, to stumble, and to rebel against Hashem, and they didn't want to go up to Eretz Yisrael. And the Rebbe brings R34, a very famous example, Laharma avis which is mil sadikh sedusa bark alaf mishnah alaf ghamim zar bidregun shama the shaykh le antignus ish shaykha compared to rabban so we say in misakhas avis it says the ghamim have to always be careful and and the meforshim say who is that referring to so the story was antignus ish shaykha who was uh, he was mentioned in mishnah gimel he said that you should not be like a loya you shouldn't be like a, a you, sh- uh, you shouldn't be like a servant that serves his master onnasla Kabbal pras in order to accept a pras rather uh, you should serve your master because it's the truth Me- meaning not even to re- receive a reward and when his two stu- uh, students siduk and Baitus, heard that they're not going to get a- that you're supposed to serve without getting a reward they understood that to mean that tr- there's literally no reward and because of that they started the whole uh, a, a renegade a faction in Yiddishkeit of the Tzedukim and the Beitusim, which caused, of, co- of course, many, many, many issues uh, for the Yidden and by Sheni. So, of course, Antigonus Ish was not trying to do anything wrong. On the contrary, he was trying to teach his students to serve Hashem L'shema, not for the sake of getting a reward. But since he wasn't careful, I guess, with the way he explained it, um, or, or he wasn't careful to make sure his students were on that level... That caused the students to go off, and that was caused a big nichshol. So he was, of course, everybody agrees that Intignus Ishseicho is a big tzaddik, but nonetheless, he wasn't careful, and bad things happened. So maybe the Moraglim too, they really were tzaddikim, and they said, uh, you know, they gave over the report what they saw, and they said it in a way that unfortunately caused these to be nichshol, But that wasn't their kavanah. Really, they were tzaddikim. So 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 Mash. So, why did they get punished? You're going to say, why did they die? It's because B'Poyal, what happened? It's because they weren't careful. They caused such a great catastrophe. So, they're tzedikim and they should have been careful. And they caused such a great, uh, you know, horrible thing to happen. So, they're going to be punished for, for such a thing. Just like, uh, I don't know if this is a good comparison, but we know Nadav and was punished. Uh, you know, for bringing the Eish Zara, even though they were also tzaddikim. Tzaddikim also could be punished if they do something wrong. So if you hear of Cholshkeim, they caused such a nichshah for all the Bnei they were punished for not being careful. I kem and Miriam, she spoke about Haru, she spoke Haru, it was individual things about her and her brother, didn't cause a national catastrophe, therefore she was not punished. She was punished, I'm sorry, she got saras, but she didn't die, and she's not. Uh, the consequences weren't as bad. This also answers another question. One of the Dukim was, well why does Rashi quote L'cha-Nashim? He should have just quoted the word Shalach. Meaning, if the whole question of Rashi is then he should have just quoted the first word of the parasha, just like he did by Parashas Ba'ala when he asked Lama he only quotes the word Ba'ala So the reasoning is, by quoting these words L'cha-Nashim, that actually is making stronger the question that he's trying to answer. The question, meaning is, that why these two parishes next to each other, that can give us the thought process that the Meraglim were equal, or at least similar to Miriam. He says, He says, Since the Meraglim were sent, and as Rashi explains, claims, what do you mean you should send for yourself? Meaning is, Moshe should pick them according to your das. Meaning is, it's your decision to send them, and if you do to send them, you're the one that picks them. So, um, so this that it was such a great achrayas, and Moshe Rabbeinu was picking them. Obviously, he who he, he only picked people that had very great mayelus. Not just stam; they had great qualities. But regarding this shlichus, this. Uh, you know, spying specifically, they would have had fantastic qualities w- that would have helped to fulfill the mission. And the Torah actually calls them Anashim. As Rashi explains that the Lashan of Anashim, there's many different ways of referring to people. There's Adam, there's Enish, there's Gever. But Anashim, he says, is an expression of Chashivas. Because they were Kasher at that point in time that Moesha Rabbeinah picked them. So we see that this strengthens the question that we see that they were taka. At, at that point um sadikim so they're very similar to miriam so maybe Taka miriam and the miraglim were on a similar level because <laughs> they loy on the in order to negate this mistake and to stress that the moranglim were not on the same level chasasham, <laughs> the Torah should have made a half between these two parshists to make it clear that uh, even though maybe initially you know Miriam was Tzadekis, they were Tzadikim but Miriam's Nikshal um, was not at all on the same level as the Miraglim. And they were not similar at all. L'chein shal Rashi, l'amen nismach Miriam, Therefore Rashi asks why these two parshas are next to each other. While Zetir Rashi, Rashi answers this question by saying that she was punished for her involvement in speech. And these were saw and they didn't take any moser. The Torah puts these two parshas together in order to teach us another uh, detail about the great sin of the muraglam. Yada And through understanding um, their great sin, that also explains their great punishment that they got. Um, and that was that it just happens, it was besmichas to this, uh, it was a shah meaning it was an opportune time for them to be able to take this musr from what happened to Miriam, and they still did not take the musr. So meaning is, the, the, the Torah wants to explain in more detail, first of all, what they did wrong. Uh, which is, of course, always important when we're telling the story. You need to understand exactly what happened. And also, it's, uh, the Rebbe says, it's important to understand why they were so punished. I'm, I'm assuming the Rebbe is referring to this, is that why was it that Miriam, that said Lashon Hara, got Saras, and everybody waited, and eventually she returned to the camp. Masha that did something which was very similar to her. They uh, had a magifa, uh, and they died. So by understanding, by putting them both together, and it's telling us that it's because HaGufa, that Miriam just did something similar and they didn't learn from her, that was part of the great Einish. Meaning is that if they were the first ones to do it, they could have said, oh, you know, we didn't know. No, we, we weren't, they, we, we didn't know basically that it was something that that was done wrong. Maybe similar to Miriam, she could have said this type of speech. I didn't realize that it was wrong, which is probably the reason why she did do it, she probably didn't realize. But once they saw what happened, they should have realized not Uh, done what they did. And the Rebbe is going to explain that in detail, exactly what was the issue that Miriam had and and what they should have learned from her. The Musr that was not in a way that they needed to to learn it and to think and and meditate about it, uh, about what they saw, rather... It was just lakach, lakachu musr. So we're going to explain now why, why the expression lakachu, they didn't take musr. Because lakachu means it was something which is in a sense like readily available. All they needed to do was pick it up and take it to themselves. He says, From this set, the Meraglim needed to take this musr from my, my It's muchach. Um, that their sin was of the same category of Miriam, they did something similar, and they should have been able to learn the lesson. And from this reason, they should have been able to take the lesson and to learn uh, and, and not to do the Avera that they eventually did from from the chid of Miriam. Now we understand why Rashi stretches that these rishayim. He's trying to stress us that the comparison between these two events and these two parashas is only regarding the sin itself. But regarding the people themselves, um, they were not similar. They weren't just regular chaitim. They were wicked. They were exact opposite of Miriam, which we just learned in a moment. Kavit that Hashem gave us uh, uh, gave her COVID. Um So that's what Rashi's trying to stress. That the question, the, the original issue that was basing Rashi is why are you putting them next to each other? Lachira, we're going to think that they were similar. So Rashi tells us, no, it's not putting them next to each other because they're similar. But on the contrary, it's trying to tell you um, that what why they were Rashi. The rishaim were they these individuals were rishaim because they didn't. Uh, take their lesson from Miriam. That's why they got a punishment. Masha in Miriam, uh, Hashem still gave her COVID even after what she did. Zayin. I'm um, the moving, but even in the story of Miriam itself, it's not understood. ma'chata, what was her sin? What did she do wrong? this that she said she was talking about the Isha Kushis, Moesish Rabbeinu's wife, that he took a woman, and now he divorced her. And the reasoning why he divorced her was because Hashem would speak to him and he didn't want to ever be Tameh. So they said, oh, we're also neviim." Or Miriam said, I'm also Nabiha. I'm also a prophetess. And I haven't separated from my husband, even though Hashem uh, speaks to me. So why, why does Moesha Rabbeinu separate from his wife? Why is he causing her this pain? So, Hare haya emes, this actually was true. That was something that happened. That was actually the truth. Moshe did divorce her and did cause her pain. So wasn't that, first of all, I was going to point out a few details of why this wasn't, uh, you know, wasn't Lashon Hara, but still was something wrong. So first of all, the is pointing, out it wasn't Lashon Hara in the sense, usually Lashon Hara, you're trying to, you're trying to you, either one level is that you're making something up, like Maiti Shamra, you're making something out about the person. So, so first of all, nothing was made up. Whatever she said was true. Uh, another point, I, I think, is he doesn't so, so clearly, was Lachaira also wasn't something which was, um necessarily private. I mean, Moshe uh, Rabbeinu was a public figure, so probably everybody already knew that he was divorced. Um, so it wasn't something that was like a secret or private. Everybody already knew about this uh, detail. Another important point was Miriam did not want to speak bad about Moshe. As Rashi says, clearly she did not have a kavana to speak uh, derogatorily about him. Another important Part of lashon hara is that even if you're saying something or repeating something which is publicly known, but if your kavana is to say this event in order to be despairing about another individual, that would still be also. You can't say, "Oh, everybody already knows. I'm allowed to say whatever I want." No. If your whole reason why you're repeating it is because you want to discuss this individual and make him look bad and make it a topic of conversation, even though everybody already knows, but you're stressing and you're, you're 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 you're, you're Uh, Kavanahs the Gnus, that would also be considered Lashon Harub. So the Torah tells us us clearly, this is Rashi, that was not her Kavanah to speak about the Gnus of Maisha. Uh, Probably her Kavanah was, that was her brother, and she was uh, stressed out about what was happening. So she was discussing with Aaron what Maisha Rebeinu did and trying to figure out why why he did that. Like Why is he divorcing her? He doesn't need to divorce her um but anza is alash alhaya riha asma of shab khol hadar shahina says sama la shab inch devar devar deepar but sab she ma inshallah it's akhlif what was her mistake her mistake only was that she didn't understand really the qualities of meisha that um And she thought that Moshe Rabbeinu did not need to separate from a woman. Meaning is, she thought Moshe Rabbeinu was like her and Aaron, that they were still married, even though they were prophets. So also Moshe Rabbeinu, also Moshe, why did he? So her mistake was, or really here, what she didn't understand, and what she was discussing, was why is he separating from his wife he doesn't need to do that. That's what she was saying. Like, he shouldn't be separating. That was her miscalculation. <laughs> and it's because that she didn't understand Moshe Rabbeinu's quality to its ultimate level. That's why she got punished, was her punishment was. Because it was considered a Gnus for Moshe. Meaning is that she thought he was on one level, but he is really much greater than that. That was the punishment that she did, that she didn't understand his quality. Because again... She didn't actually do anything wrong. She was saying the truth. She didn't, didn't have any kavanah for gnus. It was public knowledge. So, what did she do wrong talking about it? So, you're going to say, oh, because she made a mistake. Really, Moshe Rabbeinu was on the mila that he was supposed to separate from his wife because Hashem's constantly speaking to him. So, you're going to say that was the mistake that she didn't understand his mila that he was even greater. So, everybody's going to say, no asks barichas Rashi explains that the hate was not that she spoke badly Ra, rather she was involved in gossiping. This essential idea that she was involved in diba in and gossip with talking about Misha, that itself was the ver. Meaning is the ver was not um, this itself that she didn't under that she had a question about Misha's behavior. That wasn't the issue. The, the issue was her discussing it, as, as the Rebbe is going to explain more in detail in the next paragraph. Let's read on. When Miriam saw uh, a conduct by Moshe that she didn't understand, she shouldn't have spoken about it. Being involved in it, this askus not, doesn't just mean regular talk. She was, she was very involved. Even though she's totally the truth and she didn't have any kvanah to make him look bad or derogatory. But his askus he says being involved about speaking with Moshe is not going to bring to speaking good. And on the contrary, when you talk about someone, it could have caused to be, eventually talk about something which is the opposite. meaning is this is actually Allah also in Shochan that you're not supposed to speak about people. It says even to speak good about someone because when you start speaking good about somebody, uh, unfortunately that could cause people to start speaking, either you yourself or to all of a sudden start speaking bad about him or the people listening will hear the good things that you're saying and they're going to say, oh really, he's such a good guy, but you know he, but he's also done bad things, A, B, and C. So you're not supposed to in general speak about some, uh, other people. So this is really, it was in a sense, Miriam's, Mistake. She didn't say Lashon Hara itself, but she spoke about my Rabbeinu, which brings to Lashon Hara. So it's in a sense like a haksha or there. It's something that brings to something which is bad. And that's maybe also with what we're saying, Diba. The Rashi calls it Diba, as we said earlier. It's training to speak. Like you're training yourself to speak about other people. And eventually what happens from that is something bad will be said. So Bapayol, she didn't say anything bad. About Maisha Rabinu. Yes, she didn't understand his quality, but that wasn't exactly the, the sin. The sin was that this itself that she was speaking, that was the issue. Maybe, just to add, maybe, maybe also what the Rebbe is trying to say is the essential idea that she didn't understand what Moshe Rabbeinu Rabinu was, that wasn't an Avera. The problem is she starts speaking about Maisha and then she gives her opinion what Moisha's Myla was, and that taka was a mistake. So if she should would have thought that Okay, that's nothing wrong. You don't understand Maisha Rabbeinu fine. But you started speaking about Maisha. Again, nothing bad. But then you said a comment. Why is he doing this? He should have, you know, done the same thing as us. But then that actually was incorrect because he did do the right thing. So all of a sudden, that actually would be considered that she spoke a deeper ra against him, something which wasn't, uh, which wasn't proper. But again it wasn't that that's what her thought process is well, the problem was that she was speaking about him and that could lead uh to speaking about something which was bad um even if that wasn't her kavana was that considered something bad saying that he wasn't uh that he, he was on the same level in the vias as they were i guess that's uh, debatable but that's either way not the point the point is the essential speaking about the other person which could lead to something bad so if that was actually considered something bad or even if it wasn't, either way, she did something wrong. Just, I guess the question is, how far did it go? Did Gus go to the first step when she was being involved? Or did it even start going to the second step, that something B'gnusai was said, even without uh, her kavanah? Because I guess if Moesha was on her level, then it wouldn't have been an issue, then Takit is a good question. Aye, so what should she have done? If she just want to understand why Moesha was conducting himself this way, then she should have just asked him privately should have asked him a question and I should have done it privately. So what was she doing? She was really just gossiping. So it was her brother and she cares about him and she just really wanted to understand what was going on. Um, so then you should go speak to him directly. So even if, you're, if it's out of care and love and you're not trying to speak badly about the other person, but just this involvement of speaking with others, that eventually leads to something bad. And the proper conduct is really to go to that individual directly and speak to them. So similar to this was the sin of the Mraglem. They never spoke falsely about Eretz Yisrael. Right? So point A is the same. They didn't say anything false. But the problem was they were involved in talking. The problem was they were opening their mouth. They were talking about the strength of the people of the land, to such a degree that it got the people confused. And it made them confused about even, do they even, they're at some ruts in a sense, do they even want to go up to Eretz So in a sense, it was similar, right? They're not saying anything bad about Eretz Yisrael. They're only saying truthful things about Eretz But doing all this talking about things that you shouldn't really be involved in and talking about, that brought to a, uh, uh, you know, point two, which was all of a sudden the Bnei don't want to do what Hashem wants. If they were actually wondering how could Hashem command us to go up to Eretz Yisrael when the people are so powerful and they will not going to be able to win. So either they should have just spoken bekitzer, meaning said what they saw, asked their question, you know, and that's it. Or bepashtus just say what you saw, don't ask any questions publicly, just, and then just go to Moshe Rabbeinu himself and ask, uh, you know, what, what are we supposed to do, or why is this the correct conduct? But being involved in talking, and talking, and talking about it and talking to the and mentioning all your worries, and all your doubts, and the strength of the Yeshua arts, until you actually even give him a skan, like, I don't think we're able to do this thing, I'm not saying not to, I just don't think we're going to be able to, uh, that was definitely not their mission to go tell the Bnei Yisrael uh, with all these details and, and and make them worried about what's going to happen. So he says, The only possible outcome would be causing the Bnei Yisrael to rebel until they said, let's return to Mitzrayim. Okay, so this is the first uh, similarity at the same time, the same difference between Miriam and the B'ra'an. The first difference is uh, first similarity, I'm sorry, is that not, neither of them actually said Lashon Hara, but they were speaking gossip. They were talking too much about something which could cause something bad. So Miriam lavdaf could cause anything bad, but by the Miraglim it did. And more than that, by Miriam, um, or I should say by the Miraglim, as the Rebbe says, he says the only possible outcome would be for the Bnei Yisrael to rebel. So by Miriam, I don't know what the outcome would have been by her discussing with Aaron Moshe Rabbeinu's marital issues. Maybe the outcome could have been that he could have, they could have helped Moshe Rabbeinu get remarried or whatever the you know whatever they thought they can do. But by the Miraglim, the only possible outcome was, was something which was bad. So they should have even I think that, that's why the shame. it was much greater their sin. The, the, in the meaning is the sin itself was similar, but the Kavana behind the sin by the Miraglim were much worse. Miriam's Kavana was not son. Uh, of the of, of, of Maisha. On the contrary, po- probably she was trying, she was either just wanted to discuss it because it bothered her or maybe she was even trying to help Moshe. Could have been many outcomes. But by the random, the only outcome would be about discussing Eretz and talking about how powerful they are and how worried we are and we're not going to be able to do it. The only outcome would be it's not going to encourage the people to go fight. <laughs> like, oh, wow, they're so powerful and so strong and we're so weak. We for sure should listen. The only possible outcome would be that they would question Hashem and until the worst outcome would be it is not only just question, but actually rebel against Hashem as, as, as that's what's happened. So that was the first similarity, but at the same time, why they were shying much worse than Miriam. A, that they didn't take the lesson from Miriam, and B, of course, that the Kavana and the Al-Tacham was much worse. And Ches. How is it possible that Miriam was involved with speaking about Maisha? He says, so why, how can Miriam be talking about Misha? How could she be asking about him? He says, Well, understand this from her Taina. What was her claim? She says, Was it only maisha that Hashem spoke to? Didn't he also speak to us? By saying that Hashem spoke to us, just like Hashem spoke to him, that means is that in her heart, she didn't accept the fact that maisha's quality in Avua was so much greater than theirs. Uh, sin of sh- 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 okay, anyways, I'm not sure if that's the right word. Or Anyways, it so, so, caused such a pain for the woman, the Isha Kushas that was more beautiful than all. Uh, and to be pater her, from the command of that uh, there's you're not allowed to stop having relations with your wife. So he initially, it was actually two stages. Stage one was that he initially just separated from his wife but didn't get divorced, but eventually even actually separated and, and divorced his wife. Um, so her issue was her thought process. So the second problem that she had is that she's thinking Moshe Benin is in a sense the same level as her and therefore she has a question. Right. So the first, again, issue was not that she had a question, but it was that she was talking about someone else. The second problem that we're gonna see is was also what 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 was her issue, what caused her to speak about Maisha was she had a question for Misha, which was based on the assumption that we're on the same level. So, so the Meraglim also had a similar level, meaning is the cause of the lost heart, the cause about talking to someone else was also similar to that. In their eyes, since Hashem chose them uh, by the word of God, So therefore, they said, Hashem picked this as the shluchim, therefore anything re- relevant to their shluchas, there cannot be that anybody can understand it better than them. And since by them, they are the shluchim of God. And therefore, since they came to the conclusion that we were in their eyes like grasshoppers, therefore, they felt with, with, with uh, a certainty that that was al pi Hashem, that this is the truth. Therefore, they said, not just we were in their eyes like grasshoppers, but they said, if we're in their eyes like our eyes this is our conclusion. Therefore, this needs must be true by all the B'nai Israel. This is what God wants us to tell all the Jewish people. This is the real Moskana. Therefore, they made a conclusion, not just about themselves, but they made a conclusion for all the Jewish people that nobody can go out. And since uh, their going into Eretz Yisra was not... Uh, they couldn't understand intellectually. Therefore, they were involved in speaking about this barucha. This was something that bothered them. Uh, and they're talking about it with, with much great length. Meaning is, they're going, about to go up there to Stral. Uh, they get this conclusion that they feel, feel is God sent. So they feel that they have to, in a sense, uh, explain it to everybody and tell everybody and get everybody else to feel the same way as they do. So A Pizza, Yuven Gamashahis of Rashi, Shimurian Dibakia. So now we can understand why Rashi adds the words. Not just that she was Aisak Bidiba, but more than that she spoke against her brother. Why was that relevant? That was one of the questions. He says Davizamavar Yesak Kama Maragal and Lakel Musa Mimiriam be iny harak Zazulus Kmishaim Lamailama. Because by adding that detail, this explains another facet of how the Maragam made a mistake. That they didn't take Musa from Miriam regarding evaluating those individuals who are greater than them. <laughs> by the hate of Miriam, there was another detail that she spoke against her brother. <laughs> Since a brother is, in a sense, half your flesh, meaning you your, your blood-related, your family. You're almost like one person. Chatsi <laughs> b'sar means that they're half of my flesh, we're one. He says, naturally, it's very hard for a person, on one hand, to say, this is my flesh and blood. We're in a sense, we're almost, we're basically the same. On the other hand, we're saying that he's much greater, he's greater than me. So on one hand, we're saying we're brothers, or a brother and sister. On the other hand, he's much greater, or there's almost no relationship between us. So So meaning is, but nonetheless, she was still punished, right? So Miriam was still, in a sense, even though her mistake was a, a natural mistake, but nonetheless, she was still punished um, for what she did. So the Miraglim were for sure assert to make such a taina. Much more than that. It was much worse what they did because they weren't just saying their family, uh, we talking about how their family should be. Rather, they were talking about all the B'nai for concluding b'nestral, that everybody has to go after what they're thinking, meaning is their conclusion was that we're greater than everybody. <laughs> we're greater than everybody, and therefore our conclusions are the correct ones. So that was another aspect of something that they, they did wrong. So in addition to the Lashon Har that they're doing, in a sense, the Kavana or the, I guess, the cause of Alash and Hara, of why they did their Diba, was because of their conclusion that since Hashem chose us, as like this union of Gaiva, that we're much greater. So again, so we see the similarity between Miriam and them, but at the same time, we're also seeing the difference. Both of them, in a sense, had a hard time seeing the other person's greatness, taking other people into account. Uh, but the difference was Miriam, it was more of a natural thing. Their brother and sister, it's hard to, in a sense, evaluate the other person correctly. But the miracle wasn't brother and sister. And it also wasn't just about one person. It was about all the people they're making a decision for. And they were greater and can make the decision for everybody. Uh, so that was also much worse by them. Okay. Okay. The other dik was that says, these Rishayim these saw, and they didn't take Musar. The word raw is extra should have just said that these evil individuals saw, oh, sorry, these individuals didn't take Musar, right? M- Miriam, this Miriam was punished and these Rishayim didn't take a lesson from that. Why do you have to say they saw basically what happened to Miriam and still they didn't take a lesson? What's the Diak? But we'll understand this first asking another question about the story of the Miraglim, And this is about a Tamiya b'cholos, about the whole story of the maraglim is a strong question. He says, what exactly was Nishadish? What was new? What was the Kiddush uh, that the Meraglim found through their, um, their, their visit to Eretz Yisrael? And, and there was such such a big Kiddush that they had that it caused them to be so scared to say, Everything that they saw then, that the people were powerful, they even knew that before then, Meaning is that they knew what, what, what the people were. The only difference was that now they actually went to the, the country and spied them. How do we know that they knew that they were strong? I was going to explain. explain,Shari Aph, Abibn Sim Y's Eraan. because even when they were in Egypt, they knew what the story was in Eretz Mitzrayim. Uh, as look at Rf 57 Ban Shamish, E It's impossible that the people living in Mitzrayim did not know what was going on and even though uh, they they were in Mitzrayim and they were slavers slaves and they couldn't understand that they they didn't know meaning they're busy, they were slaves, and how much education they have, and, and how much news did they get. He says, still He says, It's obvious from the time that they left Mitzrayim. First of all, Papashis, even when they're in Mitzrayim as slaves, they probably knew. But more than that, from the time that they left Mitzrayim until they sent them wrongly, there were a few months, that so they should have known already what was going on from Mitzrayim, just of the people going, in, the, the, the merchants, the people going back and forth, um, they would have found out what was going on in Eretz Canaan. So nothing should have been new. And in the Shire, they said, that the said that the inhabitants of Canaan have melted in fear. They obviously knew about the people of Canaan, and they're saying they melted in fear, meaning as they also knew their strength, and now that they melted. Because if they didn't think they were strong, and they didn't know about the strength, What's the khidish of namaygu that they became melted after Kriyas Yamasim? So, meaning if they're always weak, of course they're always going to be scared because they can't defend themselves. Elamai, they were strong and now they're terrified, and that's what the Yidin are singing about. Become But nonetheless, the Yidin were still willing to go to Eretz Troll even though they knew the situation in Quran. So Abir bizeh. khazal, any day says in khazal, you cannot compare hearing something to seeing something. Meaning. The entire period that they knew about the strength of the people of Canaan, just because they heard about it, they they did not get affected from all the hardships, the future hardships, and therefore they were ready to go up there to Israel. But when they saw with their own eyes how strong they are, that did have an effect, and they regretted it, and they retracted from their previous uh, conclusion. That's why it says row. They saw it, because it's trying to say that the row, the seeing of what was going on, that's what affected them. Therefore, in the story of the Miraglem, you see the word Re'inu many times. Uh, And the rule is, when the Torah repeats a certain word many times, it's it's stressing it for a reason to say, uh, obviously, that this is an important part of the detail. And it was, because they're trying to tell them, even though you all heard about this, the strength of the people of Canaan, and we heard about it before and we weren't scared, but now we saw it. We saw what was going on. It's the seeing that's affecting us. We saw the story. We saw the pre-arts. Etc. Etc. Meaning is that's really emotionally what was affecting them, this that they saw what was going on. Therefore, Rashi stresses that they also saw this musr. They saw this lesson. They saw what happened to Miriam. So the seeing what happened for Miriam should have been enough in a sense to fight against the seeing of the land of Canaan and seeing the strength there that they um, should still have not have said Lashenhar. There I saw what happened to Miriam. They knew that what she did was wrong. And therefore that, that they saw what happened, that thing should have given them enough strength in order to stand strong against the test of them seeing what was going on in, in Eretz He says, If the punishment of Miriam only came to them through a rumor, through shimia, through hearing it, I shouldn't have said a rumor, even though I know for sure. Uh, They heard what went on. They heard true news. Nonetheless, um, then we couldn't have made a taina, why didn't you take the lesson to heart? Because what caused them to sin, they saw something very scary. But the story with Miriam was something they just heard. Of course, it doesn't have the strength, in a sense, to give them the power to stand strong. But because the Nesilas Kayach to stop them from sinning was only because they heard something. Therefore, Rashi stresses, they saw it that even this Nasinus Kayach not to sin was through Ebrieh. And nonetheless, they didn't take the Musr. Just before we go on to the next Sif Tzif Yud, where the Rebbe is going to talk about the Inyonim of Flaim and Halacha, I just want to maybe point out one last point one last idea. We said that the second musr that the Meraglim should have taken from Miriam was that just like Miriam, in a sense, evaluated her brother incorrectly, similarly, the Meraglim, Miriam felt she was on the same level as, as her brother. Um, the Meraglim thought that they were greater um, than all the other B'nai Yisrael. What's the main point of that musr? You know, people are able to make mistakes about their calculation. I think the, the main point of their musr was, I think the Rabbi stressed this, is that why didn't Miriam Taka go to her brother and discuss it with him? The reason why is because she felt she was probably on the same level as him, and therefore there was no reason to discuss it with him because um, she already came to a conclusion. So similarly, the miraglim what was their issue? They came to a certain conclusion, but they felt they were greater than Maish Rabbeinu and all the Bnei Israel. So they didn't need to discuss it with Maish Rabbeinu or Aaron or the Bnei Then In a sense, since they felt that they were greater, they didn't need to discuss it with anybody and and, and they just said what they said. So the musr for them was, they should have seen from Miriam that even though Miriam was, um, uh, felt that she, she was on the same level, but that was wrong. She should have gone to discuss it with Meisher Abenu. So for sure, them that they're not, you know, the, they're not they're not siblings with Meisher Abenu. They shouldn't have uh, made that mistake. They they, they for sure Kolshkin shouldn't have made the mistake and think that they're even greater than Meisher Abenu. Not just on the same level, same level, but they're even greater than Meisher and everybody and all the B'nai Shol should follow what they're saying. They didn't take the Musa from Miriam. Uh, that she made a mistake in that evaluation. And they did exactly the same thing and saying, you know what, we don't need to discuss with Maisha, we'll just make the conclusion ourselves. I think that's the second musr that the Rebbe is trying to say that the Baraglam uh, didn't see. Let's go to Sif Yud. <laughs> so the fantastic or wondrous and of Allah that we can learn from this Rashi. The Rebbe says, meaning, at least to keep us sharp, meaning it's not necessarily, is this halakhic conclusion, but it's definitely to keep us sharp that we should be thinking about what Rashi says. I think that's what the Rebbe means. So he says, We first need to ask a question. He says, After everything it's, is said and done, how talk is the Torah putting the parsha of Miriam next to Miraglim? How, papayal, could we actually put Miriam's parsha next to Miraglim when we could make a mistake and think that Miriam is similar. Don't, so we have a whole reason, and the reason why we did it is because we're trying to explain the hate of the Miragli and why they were punished, and they should have taken Musr. But still, isn't there a command that you have to remain innocent? Meaning is, you cannot do things that make you look guilty. So by putting them next to each other, a person could make a mistake to think that they're similar. So yes, there's a good reason why to put them together, but still, on the other hand, you're, there, there's an issue which is happening over here. So by explaining what the problem the Merah the more, in a sense, you might make a mistake about Miriam, and that would be a problem of Yis and Nechim Hashem Yisrael. So look, the Rebbe is going to give a, two, uh, an answer which has two parts. And Arsif is one part, and part two is the next part. And they're both really essential to each other. So it's not two answers. It's two parts of the same answer, as you will see. He says, al Rashi, Purusha Uh, So we can answer according to the sheet of Rashi and his explanation of the Torah. Just to give you a little introduction, there is a uh, famous Malchai about how was the Torah given. Was the Torah given... Meaning at one time, meaning after after the forty years that the Jewish people were in the desert, Moshe wrote it all up, and uh, you know before he passed away, and then gave it to all the tribes, each one a Sefer tirah. Or was Moshe been continuously writing the Torah as a certain event happened, like let's say the Parsha of Miriam happened, he wrote he wrote down Parshas Miriam. Then the Parshas Meraglim happened, he wrote it down right away. Uh, which, which one of these things happened? So Rashi Mikra, he learns like this. He learns like the Manda Omar, Megillah Nitna. He learns that the Torah was given um, it was given each Alta that every parti was written on its own right away. Okay, well, so it wasn't given at the end, it was each parsha was written as it happened. So it makes sense to say that the beginning of Parshish Shalach, everything that happened on that day, which was Chav um and from it, uh, completed the Indian of Shlach Lecha, the Shlichus uh, that Moshe Rabbeinu did, all was also written down on Chav so, so meaning is everything that happened on Chaf tesib, and he w- w- would have written right away. He wouldn't have waited till Chas of and Tess of when they came back, and, the, and and it was the conclusion of the story of the Miraglim. Whatever happened, Chaf tesib, and he would have written right away. Okay, and then the end of the story of Miraglim, he would have written 40 days later. So there is gonna say why is that why is that relevant? It's it's because when he wrote these stories, it was before the Meraglim actually left. So he wrote Parshas Miriam, and then right away he puts the story of the Meraglim in. So, and of course, since the whole point Moshe is a Zaris, he was also Moshe Rabbeinu our teacher, he would have taught just then to the Meraglim before they go on their shalichas, they would have taught about Miriam, and then would have put them next to Miriam. It was basically telling them, you know, study what's happening with Miriam, and learn it well, because, you know, it's, it's going to be relevant for your own Shluchas when you're giving, coming back. So why would Moshe Rabbeinu have put the story of the Maraglim right next to Miriam, even though the The reasoning is because he wanted that he he had to do that. He had to do that in order in order for to 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 in a sense to teach them how they're supposed to conduct themselves. Right? So in addition to what we are trying to say earlier on, that it's in a sense to teach us about the sin of the Meraglim, and then we have the question, just to teach us about the sin of the Meraglim, are we going to make Miriam look guilty? We're saying, no, there's another point over here. Moshe Rabbeinu also would have wanted to write it because he was trying to teach the Meraglim how they're supposed to conduct themselves. And just to point out that if they actually would have taken that lesson from Miriam... And they talk about what would have done the sin, and then we wouldn't have had this whole issue in the first place. It's understood that every day in the Midbar, including Chavchas and of that year. It says, we would have known, there would have been tens of thousands of things happened to six hundred. There are 600,000 people in the desert, plus you had women and children, it was a lot of people, so a lot of things would have happened just in those two days. Also, we know, uh, we know that they traveled, right? After Miriam finished her quarantine, they traveled and then they camped, so they would have taken apart the Mishkan and put the Mishkan back together, Many, many events would have happened between the time that Miriam came back into the camp, which was on Hav um before the Mishkan left, and the time when they camped again, and Moshe Rabbeinu told them, the next day really, when Moshe Rabbeinu told them to send, or uh, um, when, when he got the... When Hashem told Moshe that you could shlach if you want to send, you can send. Which was which was after uh, the camps were put back up and the Mishka and everyone came came to Moshe. So therefore there was a hapsich of thousands of events between the and Miriam, and that also includes many mitzvahs that would have happened—the the traveling itself, because it was Alpi Hashem, and the camping, which was Alpi Hashem, bringing the korbis, etc. so it comes out that the putting these two parshas together. How would the Miraglin have learned it? You can't say, oh, it just happened like a day before, so the Miraglin should have figured it out. He says, no, because between that day and the next, they had so much, so many things, thousands of things happening, it might not have been even in, in, in their mind. Right? They, they could have made the connection of Miriam, and then there's the Kama and Mishkan, and then there's the traveling and the camping and the Kabanash, so many different things happening, you, it wasn't just back-to-back that they could have figured it out. Uh, the only way for them to really know what was going on was by Rabbeinu writing it and putting them next to each other. When, so when they saw Miriam and then they saw in the Torah their own story or the beginning of their story happening, Zah with Musa. There from that, they should have and they had to actually learn this, take take this Musr from it. Nidrash ayim nikva Therefore, we need in a sense need to show a blind eye. From this, that the parsha of the miraglim was put next to Miriam, even though that would make a chshad, right? As I was our question, the chayr putting them together that could cause an issue that we think Miriam is doing something wrong. But Moshe had to do that because he wanted to warn and and and, and keep the miraglim from sinning. But kasha, adam We have a rule that we don't tell a person to sin in order that his friend should be zeicha. Um, meaning is how could we make, in a sense, Miriam, uh, I don't want to say sin, but how could we make, in a sense, Miriam's sin, meaning it's to make her look guilty in order to help the Meraglim from sinning? At least there's the, the shash that they might sin, and that's why Moshe Rabbeinu put them together. How could Moshe Rabbeinu do that, put Miriam's story next to the Meraglim that potentially might bl- make Miriam look bad, uh, and, and therefore she be over, or Moshe would be over, and Miriam has an obligation to be, look innocent, and because of putting them together, that makes her look guilty. How could they do that in order to make the maraglim look, uh, to teach the maraglim the proper way? We have a rule that you can't sin, uh, which would have been again this, uh, this, the sin of not looking innocent, because you're supposed to look innocent, in order to protect the maraglim. So, the Rashi answers this by saying that they did not take musr, uh, and he doesn't use the expression, these Rashaim sinned. Rather, uses the expression, they did not take musr. Yud. Al on this thing that you're not, uh, you don't sin in order to make your friend Zaika. Rashi explains that it means that you're not allowed to sin in order to make sure that your friend won't get a great punishment. If a the shot of this Meimer Chazal is that you're not allowed to do a small sin in order that your friend will be saved from a big sin. But Rashi doesn't write that, actually. Rashi says, you're not allowed to sin, even a small sin, in order that your friend shouldn't get a punishment. What's Rashi trying to say over here? So, Rashi, Rashi actually is... Explaining this like an opinion in Ta'isvis. When do we say that you're not allowed to sin? That's in order that your friend should be zoichah. That's only when uh, your friend already did the avera. Meaning once he's already done the d'avera and you're trying to save him from getting punishment, then you're not allowed to, in a sense, do a sin to save him. But in order, when the situation is to save your friend, that he shouldn't come to do a Chet chamor, then we tell him um, that you should do a small sin in order to save your friend from a Chet chamor. Meaning is, in Halacha, um, I didn't learn this earlier recently, but in Halacha, you have, um, a, let's say for Shabbos, for example. So a person, a yid, let's say a yid puts a seed in the ground. right? So he just did a chayit or a very stringent sin. He just put a seed into the ground. But technically, if you came and pick, picked up that seed, um, then he won't be high for planting on Shabbos because planting only happens if you know, eventually that thing actually takes root. So the Shiloh would be, are you allowed to pick up the seed in order that your friend won't be of a, 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 like a, in a sense a much stricter punishment? Um, uh, or or similar or similar cases like that. Like your your another example. Um, so for, I think the only problem would be picking up the sea Might just be a that might be worse actually because might be an Isra derisive for you too. So Let's give another another. Exa- I mean, but what I was trying to say is that if the C was just muksa, then you would just be over on the or muksa, while well, that would save your friend from doing a problem of uh Azria. So the, assuming that is correct, that's only a problem of muksa, which it might not be. Might be much worse than that. But assuming that, then would you be allowed to take the seed in order that your friend won't be chayev? Another example I think which is actually given is that uh, your friend put uh, the dough into the the oven on Shabbos. So it didn't bake yet. So if you remove it, you're allowed to, you're only going to be over on an Isra HaCham we're removing bread from uh, from an oven. Because since it didn't bake, he's not over yet. And what are you doing? You're just touching dough. So it's a, just a, it's a, a because it's like a weekday activity of removing bread from an oven. You're, so you're not, allowed to, you're not allowed to do that. So the shalit would be would you be allowed to do that in order to save your friend from HaChamor? So we're saying, according to Rashi, um, when do we say, when do we say, that you're not allowed to do that? That's only if your friend already did the ma'isa, meaning is if the act was already done, you already did his avera, and what you're trying to do is just save him from getting punished for whatever he did. Then you're not allowed to do that small sin uh, to save him. Okay, so I guess that would mean is you wouldn't be allowed to pick up the seed in order to save him because he already did the wrong thing. So you're doing a small avera to save him, but the avera that he, in a sense, was already done. So you're just saving him from the punishment. Therefore, Rashi stresses that um, that he won't be a, a, a powerful punishment, a, a very strict punishment, to stress that it's it once the isser is already done, then you cannot do that, and and the whole purpose of you doing what you're doing is only in a sense to stop him from getting the punishment. So, now we can understand why we're allowed to put the story of Miriam even if it might cause a chashad. Uh, because what are we talking about over here? We were putting Miriam down before they did the Avera. Right? So it's not after that the Avera is already done. Nothing was done wrong yet. So according to Rashi, you're not allowed to be zoicha if they've already done the Avera. But if the purpose is uh, to save them from doing the Avera Lechatechila, then you are allowed to, in a sense, do something, do an Avera Kal, in order to save your friend from doing the Avera, which is chamor. And this is what Rashi is hinting by saying they didn't take Musr. Because the tachlis of seeing the musr is that they should have ushmartin, to guard the person, not to do the hate, So if Rashi would have said, then they still sinned, that wouldn't have, in a sense, dealt with that issue. They were putting them together and they still sinned. So why are you putting them together if they're sinners? But Rashi is trying to tell us is they didn't sin yet. Their problem was they didn't take musr. The purpose of taking musr is to make themselves safe. So the reason why we put it together is because they didn't do anything wrong. And the purpose of putting them together is to teach the musr that they Mirzashem won't do anything wrong, uh, but they didn't take that muster and unfortunately did something wrong. But that takes care of this issue of how could they have been put together because the whole purpose was, in a sense, to try to protect them from doing the wrong thing in the first place.